0: So, what a great segue for the sermon. Oh, it already already went on to this. (laughs) Walking through the wide door, right? So we talk about doors of opportunity. In fact, Steve, on two occasions in his prayer this morning, talked about, you know, opportunities that we can have, whether it's to help Miss Carolyn Holland, who has faced great, great Um, struggling yet here she she's listening she's still smiling right now that's miss carolyn for you um you you face death and you still smile through it that's miss carolyn holland but you have opportunities that come through your life and what do you do when those opportunities come because the fact of the matter is when opportunities come knocking we pray about having to go through that door do we not? Do we not ask for these kinds of things? That's what was going on with Paul. Paul is going through Macedonia. In fact, I don't know if 1 Corinthians 16 and the whole Corinthian letter is right in line with Paul's second missionary journey, right? From when you read from Acts 15 following and, and they're ready to go on that second journey. And, and remember the spirit basically says, don't go through here, but come, there's this Macedonian call and we re- Remember that. And so I'm not sure if this is around that same time, but Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and saying, I'm going through Macedonia, and I don't know if it's the second or the third trip. I'm not smart enough to, to know that. But here's what he does say there is a wide open door for a great work here. He saw it, he saw the opportunity for the gospel to be really fruitful, if you will, productive in this region and so he lets the saints know at Corinth that is the case and there are many other opportunities we can read in scripture where you talk about this door that is opened a great door of faith open to the Gentiles scripture says I think in Acts chapter 14 uh, verse 23 but there's a number of passages like this that give us a uh, an idiomatic expression that we are familiar with today when we talk about having doors of opportunity open up for us do we not do we not want opportunities to share the gospel with unbelievers, and I've heard umpteen prayers along those lines over the years, whether it's here or any place I've ever been. Prayers about, hey, God, give us opportunities for that. In fact, I remember um, Andy and Kathy Berent, they're the ones that taught me the gospel some, I guess, 28 years now. Wow. I I used to say 10 years ago. (laughs) Anyway. 28 years ago, and I remember at the time when they were in Bedford, Ohio, they, I mean, they put bulletins in, in store, grocery stores, clothing stores, wherever they could put church bulletins, um, flyers for Bible studies, one-on-one Bible studies, and nothing. Not a study, not one. And so Kathy, I remember Kathy saying, Lord, please, We've been trying to go out and share the gospel. Would you bring someone to us? Create an opportunity for us. (laughs) That's what happened when a stranger came to their door asking, can I live with you guys? Complete stranger. (laughs) There was a literal knock at the door, and the door opened for them to share the gospel. That's what we're talking about here. And isn't that kind of scary? I know some of you have said to me like I don't know if I could have done that some of you said I know for a fact I would not have done that (laughs) right you're crazy to think I would let a stranger come live with us let alone have a bible study with us you know that we could share but they saw an opportunity because they'd been praying about it and when the opportunity came they met it but here's the thing we pray about this we want these things to happen we say we do right We wanted to have opportunities to build up the body of Christ. This morning, perfect for the sermon, here is David Baller passing out, having the men pass out these sheets where you have an opportunity to serve in ways that maybe some of you may never have, right? To be a greeter might be for some of you kind of out of your comfort zone. You're not the kind of open... outgoing, bubbly-type personality. You're more introverted, maybe, and more and more shy, possibly, and that's kind of out of your comfort zone. And yet, some of you probably still signed up. What a beautiful opportunity. So we talk about sharing Jesus with unbelievers, building up the body of Christ, helping those who are in need. Great opportunities, and by and large, as a congregation, we do a very good job of that. But how many times, whatever the opportunities are, do we pray about them discuss them discuss our desire for them but when the rubber meets the road what do we do right in other words it's all talk if it's just that when everything passes by and the opportunity has come presented itself do we actually let that opportunity slip by that happens It happens for a number of reasons when those opportunities slip by. They've happened to me many, many times, too many to count. That when I look back upon them, I said, I should have seized the moment, should have seized the opportunity for whatever the reasons may be. But that's the thing. We pray about them. We're asking God for his intervention, and then the opportunity comes. What do we do when when that moment hits us? Right? So do we make excuses? Do we justify why we are not at this moment, at this time of our life, because, and we fill in the blank. You know, this is just not the right time. Right? I had, uh, my dad told me this when I was young. And by, don't, well, too late. You guys are going to laugh when I tell you. Um, my dad told me when I was young, it's never the right time to have children. <laughs> Those of you who are not laughing, we have seven. <laughs> now you might laugh, right? So never the right time. Well, he said, you'll, you never, whenever you try to put yourself in a financial position, as if you have control. And by the way, we do try to have control over our lives. We try to put things right in order so that, okay, now we did it the right way. Most of the world will look at you guys as crazy. What do you think is normal to do it the right way? The right way? You know? So, you know, it, it's never an opportune time. You're never mature enough. You're never wise enough. You're never secure enough financially, if you will. Uh, uh, maybe some of you are, I don't know. But by and large, the way the world works, it's never the good time, you know? And so you have those opportunities when they come, and, and so we say, well, it's not the right time. Or it may be, I don't know what to say to this person at this moment. So it goes by, right? I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond to them when they, when they say this thing. Or I don't know what to do. I don't even know how to go about doing this. And so what we have typically when it comes to evangelistic efforts, we have evangelism one-on-one class, right? Right? you got a brother in Christ who's well-known for his evangelistic efforts. He comes to Franklin, let's say, and he's going to give us all the what-to-dos to to be the greatest evangelist that we can on earth. And then when that meeting is over, what? Go back to the same old. Isn't that what typically happens in many places? Now, individually, things may happen for that specific person, and that's wonderful, that's what should happen. But by and large, in many churches that profess Christianity, you just kind of go back to the same old, same old. And then the same excuses and the same old, well, it's not the right time and whatever those things are. Excuses, maybe, right? I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. For instance, uh, I don't see Ben here. Is Ben not here today? went What a great thing. He went to jail <laughs> to go teach God's word. Um, so... About five, six months ago, Ben had announced as as our deacon that's involved with benevolence and what have you, he said, um, you know, we have men and women in this congregation that have the financial resources, and we have other brethren in here that do not have the financial resources, resources, but they have the desire to go and preach and teach, maybe in another part of this country or outside of this country. And and made it known that if any of you want to to take the opportunity to go and teach God's word elsewhere, but you don't have the financial means, go see them. And there are brethren that are willing to pay for, because they have the financial resources to do so, so you can go and teach. It doesn't have to be just Mitch going, just because he's in the pulpit, but anyone in the congregation. What a great opportunity presenting itself. Don't forget that. You might not have the resources, but someone else might. You may not have the time, but someone else might have the time, and whatever it, we, we have, we pull our resources together, but when the opportunities come, what do we do? When you finally have someone says, "Hey, I'm willing to, to actually put up the monies for you to be able to go?" do you then say, "Well, yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't call me on it." <laughs> or do you walk through that door? Take the opportunity. You know, there's a great opportunity. Again, I know uh, Paul and Jada are going to be going. When we have our friends and family, I think it's that weekend, right? You guys are going to be in Mexico, and I think the Todd's are going to be going with them. What a great opportunity, right? So you have opportunities like this. It may be elsewhere. It doesn't have to be in Mexico. But what a great opportunity to encourage the saints in Mexico that we support. But So here's the thing about this, and this is a short, short sermon. I, want you to, I just want to prick your heart because this is real simple. Either you can complain... Make excuses or you can problem solve, which is true leadership, right? Problem solve. Brethren, we don't need complainers. God has enough on his plate with those who are professing to follow after him. Don't make excuses. Don't complain about, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. What can you do? No matter how little or how much you have, it is all a gift from God to be able to serve him. So go serve him in whatever capacity. In fact, the reason why this sermon is given is kind of twofold. On, on Wednesday, I was asked to preach in Dixon, Tennessee, and the, the topic I was given out of First Peter 4 was on serving for the, for the glory of God. And I focused in on evangelism because I see that as the greatest weakness that we have in this country, And so one of the things that I was sharing with them about evangelism is the opportunities when you go to certain people who are ripe to hear the gospel. But their lives are so drastically different, like what Lynn Mock had gone through in his life, that it would scare me to say, I don't know if I want to talk to that person. And now you have a brother in Christ uh, I'm assuming he is. I, I don't, I'm not asking. I think Kenny was mentioning something to me about that situation. Um, but you have someone who's desiring God and desiring to walk with him, desiring to serve him. And now, you know, is he, is he going to be someone that we would potentially speak to so that the gospel could be reaching his ears, you know? Now we have hindsight with, with Lynn. What of the next person that has a lifestyle that we find very different ungodly wicked that could very well change and become a child of God so that we can say of us as it was said of the church at Corinth and such were some of you right because the opportunity was given to those to preach the gospel to these souls so that's what I'm saying either complain or problem solve what are what is it that you're going to do well that leads me to these two passages we're going to close with these two bible verses in James chapter 2 as James is referring to the kind of faith that is alive, the kind of faith that is a working biblical faith, he contrasts that with what is referred to as a dead work. In essence, dead faith. So if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it is not of works, is dead. So the opportunity comes, here's someone in need, and you're like, I'm going to pray for this, Lord, please bless this person. And yet you have the means. He said, what does that profit? And sometimes we do that very thing, if not in that specific type of an incident, maybe in some other type where we'll pray about the situation. And believe me, there are times when some of us need to be the ones in prayer while others are the ones who are getting their hands dirty. We all have different roles and function. But this is talking about an individual situation that you have the opportunity, you specifically. And do you take that opportunity or somehow justify an excuse? So these are the things that I'm saying that you have. And so this is this verse, the flip side is on the day of judgment. And Jesus taught this with, re- ref- with reference to the last day, to the day of judgment. Jesus said, he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say, come, you, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you specifically. Because... From the, this is from the foundation of the world Because for I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. What he is saying, if I can use the vernacular of Jesus' words, is you love God and you love your neighbor. That's what he's saying. He could have chosen anything to deal with the day of judgment. These are the words he chose. He could have chosen anything. He could have talked about, you know, when, when you gather together as a church and you partake of the Lord's Supper, on the day of judgment, here's who's going to be saved. He chose those who loved their neighbor as this end all to that chapters 23, 24, and 25 in contrasting the Pharisees to what's going on in the day of judgment, those who, who loved. So... Which was it? The dead faith, the dead works, James chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, or come, you blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world because you loved. You did this. When I was asked, I had a, an email that was sent to me from one of the sisters um, of this congregation in Dixon. Beautiful, beautiful letter she wrote, very encouraging. And then she asked a question, because last year I was, I was in Dixon preaching. Apparently, she said it affected her so much that she went out and actually had Bible classes with women of the congregation, and she actually has a questionnaire, and it was a really neat questionnaire she did, of how they can be more doers of the word. And so she came back and said, well, how do you encourage the church at Franklin? You know, how would I go about encouraging brothers and sisters in Christ here in Dixon? Here's the answer. It doesn't matter all the Bible classes you have. It doesn't matter how effective your Bible or how amazing your material is. None of it matters if the heart isn't ready to serve. That's the bottom line. Right? If your heart, you can say, um, this is a common phrase that when Julie and I first got married, I I didn't understand it, but I I guess I got better at understanding it. I want to want to. She would say about whatever it was. I said, like, want to, want to. What is that, I want to, want to? <laughs> Sounds funny saying it. But uh, I want to want to. In my head, I'm thinking, does that mean you don't want to? But you want to want to? And so it's getting kind of confusing. But what she was saying is, I've got to grow to the point where that desire is completely without hindrance. I, is that a good paraphrase, honey? Okay. <laughs> so... It's this concept where you can talk all you want. You can have all the Bible studies, get everything down right. But if your heart isn't ready, you're not going to do it. When the opportunity comes, all the excuses will be the very first thing that, that act as your stumbling block. Versus plow right through it. Flaws and all. Right? Wasn't it our president? And I forget, it was the... Was it Roosevelt? Who it was? It was basically the man in the arena. His speech. I don't know if I might be getting the wrong. It was it was President Teddy Roosevelt, and you know it's it's not the one who can criticize so easily from the sidelines, but the one who gets his hands dirty. And I'm paraphrasing what he's saying, but he's the one who goes in and takes the opportunity when it presents himself. Which are you? Where's your heart? Challenge yourself with this heart. You didn't need to have some rocket sciences or amazing type informational sermon. All you need is your heart pricked to make things happen to the glory of God so that when the opportunities arise, you are there at that moment, and who knows whether or not you were there at that moment for that purpose in time. Sounds like Esther, right? (laughs) With Mordecai. So... The sermon is yours. I want you to think about that. You have a great opportunity for the work of of the Lord in every single day with all kinds of circumstances. What are you going to do with those opportunities? You may be here right now with an opportunity. You may not be a Christian. I don't know everyone in this room. But if you're here and you're you're thinking about the fact that, hey, you know what? I want to become a child of God. I want to belong to Him. I want to walk with Him. You have an open door. And you even have a baptistry ready to take you through that door where you can be buried with Christ and rise to walk in newness of life. That's what happens when you believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's what happens when you're desiring to turn away from the way you're living and turn to him in repentance. If you want to make that good confession of faith, there is your door of opportunity. Brethren, if you want to have our prayers so that you can be the kind of servant you want, and you desire to be, by all means, take advantage of this opportunity as together we sing and sing.